today what I'm going to be focusing on is evangelism, which is a conversational thing and something that I hope that we can learn to become more comfortable with because I think it can be, um, depending on how we see it or have experienced in the past, it can be uh, a bit uncomfortable. So the first question for conversation is this, what is what feelings, and I think actually to spark my memory, I think we've got it going to come up on the slide. Um, I think the question is, what feelings um, or emotions come up for you when the word evangelism is said? When you hear the word evangelism, what do you think, what do you feel? Um, we're kind of edging into the feelings bit straight away. Um, so, so it might be about your experiences, it might be the, uh, fear, it might be excitement, it might be all sorts of things. But what do you feel when you hear that word evangelism? We'll just take two minutes um, to chat about that together. Don't share your neighbor's deepest uh, feelings or emotions, but, but is anybody willing to share how, how that word evangelism, um, you know, and we're just looking for single words, you can shout them out if you like. What, what kind of feelings or emotions might, might we feel when we hear that word evangelism? Challenged. Challenged. Sorry, somebody else? Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, thank you. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, so helpful, so helpful. The excitement, but also intimidation. It's kind of, that, that sums it up so well. I think, um, and some of the words I've written down were kind of, at times I felt guilty because I'm not doing it uh, enough. Um, at times I felt kind of then shame around that uh, feeling of guilt. And fear and awkwardness uh, were often my experience. So there's, there's that, exactly as you summarize, kind of, we know we need to do it, but it's quite awkward and hard to do, and then we kind of feel bad about not doing it. That's kind of, is that, is that a fair summary of, of our feedback? Um, fantastic, so we're gonna go into our passage now, and it's all about evangelism, and Lou's gonna read it, and I'm gonna ask you to look for um, four things. So you gotta listen carefully, but there's a question at the beginning, and um, well, I've given that one away. There's a question, then there's an explanation then there's another question, and then there's an answer. So we're thinking about evangelism, and we're going to be looking for those uh, four things. And I think it's such a long passage, Lou's going to um, drop out a middle section because it is really long. So you can read that at home if you like. But thanks, Lou, for reading. When I volunteered to do the reading last night, um, I didn't realize it was going to be quite this long, so bear with me. <laughs> I'm very glad there aren't any complicated place names to pronounce. Um, so the reading today is taken from Acts 2, verses 14 to 24, and then we're going to skip ahead to 36 to 41. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 
Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, Lou. Um, and so you may have gotten lost on you, but there, there actually what was happening there, at first glance, I think that passage, and with the first time I read it, it just felt quite an intimidating monologue uh, from Peter that he has all this knowledge, all this stuff going on, and, and it feels kind of like a street preacher kind of scenario almost. Somebody kind of standing on a street corner telling people um, and proclaiming the faith. But actually, at closer look, um, it, is, it is something much more familiar for us. And I suppose, as, as an example, I, I'm sure there's some here who have done street preaching. Anybody willing to raise your hand and say you've done a bit of street preaching? Excellent. That's fantastic. There's a, a place for that. And anybody here who's had a conversation before about anything at all? Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, so we're going to be talking about um, not the street preaching aspect. We're going to be focusing on the conversational aspect. And if you look at what Peter's doing, it's exactly that. He is starting a conversation with the people there. They come to him with a question. They see something's happening. Something is unusual here. They ask him, what does this mean? And then he gives us a really long answer. And then he's able uh, to... Um, then they ask him another question. How do we respond? What do we do with all this that you said? And then he gives them another answer. So, so it's much more conversational than it looks at first glance. And I think <clears throat> this is exactly how Jesus did it as well. He wasn't, it, it, was, it wasn't exclusively this kind of conversational thing. He obviously proclaimed. He did the more street preaching type thing as well. But if you wanted to get the fullness of disciple making. We're called to not just convert people, we're called to make disciples, which is different 
in some ways, because and actually the best way of doing that, the way that Jesus made the strongest disciples was he journeyed with them. He walked with them. He saw them make mistakes. He challenged them on how to do it better. He reminded them of all the teachings that they already knew about, which is often my problem. I know, I know what I need to do. I just need somebody there to, to help and encourage me um, in that. So much, it was so much more dynamic with uh, his, closest di- um, his closest disciples, the ones who grew most in his likeness. So that is what I want us to focus on today. How do we do that for other people? We know, uh, we, we know what we're meant to do. Some of us probably feel a little bit guilty that we're not doing it enough. But we have options then. Do we, do we just, because the, the Great Commission, the last thing that Jesus said to us as his future um, disciples was go out to all the nations and make disciples. That was the last command that we got from him. So how do we, we can either ignore that and avoid it. We can either kind of grin and bear it and just go through with awkwardness and feelings of, of guilt-driven uh, kind of, we need to do this, we must do it, even if it feels really awkward and intimidating. Or, I think, and this is what I'm ex- um, hoping we can do today, is we can grow comfortable. We can find easier, more natural ways of talking about faith with people. I think one of the things um, to, to recognize is that if we were to replicate what Peter said to the people he was speaking to, um, it would actually not bear much fruit in our current context, I would suggest. Who he was talking to, the questions he, he was being asked by the people, the burning questions of the people of that um, group that he was speaking to were about the prophetic, they were about um, the Messiah. Those were the two that were kind of uh, on their minds. So how many people around you do you think are, are really interested in when the Messiah is going to come again? Who, how many times have you heard that kind of come up in conversation or are asking you questions about Old Testament prophecy? Probably not very often. But these were the questions that Peter was um, being asked by the people. These people were knowledgeable about all things Jewish. They were looking forward to the Messiah coming. They heard all the prophecies and they knew that something was going on. So they asked him questions and he was able to respond. So our job isn't just to reel off what, what Peter said, but our job is to understand the questions that people are asking and show the hope that we have in Jesus. That's what I believe our, our role as uh, in evangelism is. So the next, so we've got three interactive bits. This is the second of the three. And the question is this. What do you think are the burning questions of our culture? What do you think are on people's minds? What do you think people are asking? Or if they're not asking, what are, what's driving them? What are the things that drive them in um, the bigger wrestlings of their lives? So just take a couple minutes to think about that. If they're not, think, if they're not thinking about um, the prophetic and, and uh, the Messiah coming, what, what are they thinking about? What are the things that are the deeper questions that people are wrestling with in our day? Perhaps uh, anybody 
willing to share what what in, and even just in word like a word um what what is what what's a, a kind of a, a deeper question that you think people around us are asking purpose yeah yeah fantastic fear and confusion yeah yeah oh fear of the future sorry yes yeah yeah yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So questions about identity and belonging. Um, in the back, yeah. 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 So no, no, that's really helpful, and I think there's so much. Conf- well, it's along similar lines of confusion. There's a lot of confusion, overwhelmed with information, and uh, uh, people are confused. Yeah. No, that's really helpful. A real, there is a lot of openness, and actually, that—that that is, I mean, that leads me well into. I think we need to keep these questions in mind and remind ourselves that actually, the questions that Peter was asked are different to the ones that were being asked, and we might not even, well, we're unlikely to be asked. Uh, I think um, people are grappling with these things often silently. They don't know uh, a place to, to, to kind of expand on these thoughts or to, uh, they don't have safe spaces to share um, their inner life. And I think, um, you know, just as an example, I think, you know, uh, we know we need to always be prepared, uh, as Peter later writes in one of his letters, always be prepared to explain the hope that we have in Jesus. And, oh yeah, it's come up. Oh yeah, I might as well read it while it's up. So it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So, so we know that. We know that we're meant to be ready for an answer. But actually, um, I'm, I'm a vicar, right? And I, have, I don't think I've ever been asked um, excuse me, Vicar, how, how do I get saved? You know, what, what, what makes me, you know, how, what is the gospel? Or, you know, those questions have just not come up. They don't come up in conversation. So how do we, you know, we've, we've already talked about the Great Commission, um, the command to go out and make disciples of all nations, and then also always being ready for an answer. I think there, there, we have to draw the two of those together, and we need to be ready to answer the questions that people have um, but uh, also we need to be active in doing that. 
And so I, I want to suggest a few ways that we can be active in our kind of uh, being ready for an answer. Does that make sense? We're kind of being actively ready to answer. So seeking out opportunities to answer those questions that people actually have. And I think, um, I think it starts quite simply. Um, and Mary, who's leading the youth now, um, is, uh, she is absolutely fantastic at, at this, uh, which I'm about to explain. And it is just about having really good conversations. I think, I think one of the things that I was reflecting on in this kind of thinking about Peter and this question, answer, question, answer, is it, it goes kind of deeper each time the questions are asked. And so uh, we need to be, as Christians, people that, pe uh, that are looked to to have deep conversations. Nobody's going to come and ask you, oh, actually, I was wondering um, if there is a God, and if it is, if there is, um, can you just tell me how to come to faith um, without actually having a, a more meaningful conversation with you? They won't think that you're safe hands to even think about those things with. You're not going to have a, a weather conversation that then kind of eventually just turns into a conversation about Jesus. Well, you, you could try, but it, you know, thinking about awkwardness, that will probably be, I don't, I'm not even going to try and make an example, but you could think of a really awkward way of trying to weave Jesus into a conversation about weather. Um, but I think our job is to be people who are trusted with people's hearts. I think ultimately the, 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 the work of Jesus is a heart work, and so if we're not actually having conversations on heart level, we're, we're, if we're not having conversations with people on the heart level, then Jesus is not going to be able to uh, speak through us to those people at that level. So the first thing um, is that we need to raise our conversations up from, up from that kind of very surfacey question. And this is, this is me talking to myself as well because it's so much more comfortable to talk about where do you live? Uh, what do you do for work? And then the next question is, oh, how do you get from home to work? And it's, you know, that's a, that's a decent commute, isn't it? It's, I feel like I'm always talking about commuting here and whether you're on a bike or whether walking or what, whatever you're doing. And so, um, but how do we... A contrived way or a way that we're manipulating a situation um, to speak about deeper things but actually I think this is a call for us as as Christians to right a societal wrong I think actually we're, we're meant to be people who engage with each other who encourage each other who challenge each other whether you're a Christian or not we should be offering that to the people around us you know, it just takes a pandemic to realize that, that people are quite easily isolated. And, and, um, and when you remove that interaction, it's a real discouragement and, and a real damaging situation for people's mental health. So we should be people who are able to talk on those levels. So the first thing is just raise that conversation up. Ask open-ended questions. So uh, I often say, oh, what brought you to Molsey? Which, which is fine. But... Perhaps after that question, you can say, oh, what do you love most about Molsey? And then they can share something about their inner life with you. Or instead of, oh, what do you do for work? Or after, what do you do for work? You say, oh, oh, you're an accountant. What got you into that work? That's what inspired you to become an accountant. 
Again, this isn't some kind of manipulation. I think this is what people need anyway, and this is a, a gift that we can give to them as a church. But also, if we're going to meet people at the heart level, beyond just the persona or the exterior, then that is going to have to start um, not with the weather, but with a, a deeper question. So ask uh, deeper questions. Right, so on to the third and final question, I think. Yes, unless I've missed a page. No, that's the last one. So we're thinking about ways to connect our inner life with other people's inner lives, that we can actually uh, share the hope that we have in Jesus. So what is something um, about, you know, thinking about what, what Peter did, thinking about what we've been discussing, thinking about what we know of our context, thinking about to uh, our own feelings around evangelism. What is something that we can do in a very practical way this week, something that uh, we can do as a result of, of kind of uh, this Bible passage and this call to evangelism? What, what's one thing? Right, and um, great. I'm going to draw us back uh, one final time and ask if anybody has anything they're willing to share. Because if, if you've got something that you um, have highlighted as a way of, of kind of taking action, perhaps somebody else who's not thought of one uh, could be inspired by that. So I'm going to come around uh, with the mic if anybody's willing to, to share uh, what, what action they might be able to take this week, um, what aspiration you have, what plans, um, or, yeah, anyone willing to share? Oh, great. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. <laughs> uh, well, Maria and I do a mother and toddler group on a Tuesday, and Denise, and uh, a lot of the mummies may be Christians, but maybe some of them aren't. So uh, Maria and I do the tea and coffee in the kitchen, along with making cakes, and uh, when they come up for their tea and coffee and cake, um, I tell them that there's a special ingredient in all of my cakes and they all want to know because I think they like them and I think they like Maria's cakes too. Well, what I tell them is that the special ingredient is God's love for them and it's all free. Thank you for sharing that. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Lou. Can I just say, Jenny makes like the best chocolate fridge cake in the entire world. So if you ever want some of Jen's cake, you have to come and help at Little Miles on a Tuesday. Um, I'm obviously very biased because I work for Alpha, so I'll be like, my number one answer to the question would be, who could I invite to Alpha in September when we next run Alpha at St Mary's? Um, but also I was just saying to Sophie, like, just being intentional this term in the cafe coming when we come, when I obviously we run a cafe here Wednesday to Friday and there's lots of people lots of mums who come on their own some come to meet friends and there's lots of familiar faces on the same days and just being intentional about praying and saying to God who could I chat to today whose baby could I offer to hold could I offer to like pick up someone's bag for them when they're carrying like two children and trying to scoop up I don't know bottles from the floor like how could I be more like open my eyes more to people around because when we make friendships with people and we chat to people and get to know them then we then we have permission well not all the time but there is then an opportunity for that permission to then share a bit of, of our story and to invite them 
to come to church or to come to Little Moles or to come to Alpha. So, yeah, the cafe is a great place to start. Thank you, Lou. That's fantastic. Great practical examples. Oh, we've got one here and then coming up. Yeah. I just want to follow up something that Lou has just said because it was a conversation I had yesterday at Susie's um, memorial service, but it was with an international student, so I'm going back 40-odd years, but it's something that's stuck in my mind. And I got to know her, and she came to faith, and then she said words that you'd never say if English wasn't your first language, but she expressed it like this. You built a bridge of friendship from your heart to my heart, and Jesus walked over it. Boy. <laughs> Actually, I'll come here first, and then I'll come and do it. I think in a way COVID kind of gave us a, uh, did us a favor in one way that we all have a shared experience and it's very easy to say to somebody, so how did you cope in homeschooling or how did you cope being locked down and, and it's just a really easy way into quite an intimate, scary, horrible, you know, an easy way to have a conversation about COVID or, you know, if people ended up dying, you know, it's, it's an easy way in to have a conversation. That's so helpful. Um, yeah. I was just thinking that um, with this celebration coming up, we've got a really nice evangelical tool uh, in that we, you know, when we're doing these street parties or whatever, uh, it's a lovely way of actually inviting somebody and saying, you know, um, because the Queen does come to, she's very vocal about her faith. And uh, to be able to include that in your whatever you're doing uh, could be a very good tool to use. Yeah, that's really helpful. We've got time for one more. Yeah, Catherine. Like you, Nate, I really relate to getting stuck on the "what do you do" question, and um, and I'm just thinking I need to think of different questions. Because I don't want to know what someone does. I want to know who they are. But how do you ask, who are you? You can't just ask, who are you? Um, but it's just thinking, OK, so you know, what, what, what was fun that you did last week? Or what are you aiming to do in the next six months? Or you know, I just need to have in my head a bunch of questions that, that, that get to what I want to get to. Yeah, that's so helpful. And that can be a part of kind of that preparedness that we have um, back from Peter's letter always be prepared and be prepared to ask good questions like that and I, I think um, we can we can all do that we can all do that so that that might be a challenge as much as well as everything else that uh, that you've highlighted um, today let's 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 make a couple good questions to ask people and I think it will deepen relationship and and perhaps even uh, build uh, build a bridge of friendship uh, for Jesus to walk over. What a fantastic image is that? Um, and that is, that is what we are called to do. So we're going to, um, I'm just going to pray uh, for us and then we're going to move into a time of worship. And during that time, perhaps we can continue on in this theme and, and um, listen to God's voice um, to really, as we're speaking um, to God in our worship, um, as we're singing to him, let's also listen to what he has to say for us. Let's, and I'm not going to prescribe what that might be, but on this theme, perhaps there's people who he might highlight uh, to us that we can have a, a deeper conversation with this week.
Or perhaps he might give us a word of knowledge or picture for somebody here or for the church as an encouragement or a challenge. But let me just pray. Yeah, Father God, we thank you that you don't call us to anything that is beyond what you've already done for us. Thank you too that you equip us for all that you call us to. We praise you. Take us into new areas perhaps of um, stretching our comfort zones that you give us the courage to do that. And Lord, we pray now as we as we worship you, that we might meet with you, that we might hear from you, not just speak to you. You might give us words and pictures and encouragements by your spirit, that we can share those together now. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>